0: People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 506. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Maura. I'm Pamela.
0: And we're joined by one of our Patreon supporters this week, Nikki. Hi, Nikki.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you on. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: I live in Santa Cruz, California. Um, I, I live with my fiancé, Emily, and my little dog, Bindi. And I've been listening to you guys for over 10 years, so it's kind of surreal being here right now. So thanks for having me.
0: Aw, that's fantastic. Aww. What's your little dog's name? Bindi. Bindi. Like Bindi Bindi
2: Irwin. Yes, she is actually named after Bindi Irwin. Oh, I oh, love Bindi Irwin. That's
0: so cute. This is, That's actually kind of surreal because I know another dog named Bindi, and I feel like that's not a common name at all.
2: Hashtag oh, really?
0: Small world. Yeah.
2: That's funny.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I almost called you Bindi. Nikki, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk to you a little later about um, where you work. You actually have a really interesting, unique, and surprising story there. And since. You have actually been a manager yourself. We want to continue our discussion that we had last week with Pat concerning how to get a job because you said you've hired people, right?
2: Yeah, I have. Um, So it's actually kind of a similar story to Pat's. So
0: Okay, Um, good. I'm looking forward to talking about that. We almost didn't last week because the show was very full and then we did and ended up being a really great discussion. Anyway, a couple things here to start off the episode. Laura, I know you have complained on the show about food delivery apps. You had a bad experience with cheese fries, right?
1: I did. I'm still traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't gotten over it yet.
0: Pam, Nikki, have you two had bad experiences with delivery apps?
3: I've only used it one time. And to be honest, I don't usually go for these because the fees are so expensive when you're ordering for just yourself, for example.
0: Yeah, I'm actually surprised a very uh, hip millennial like yourself has only used one once before. That's surreal.
3: Yeah, because I really wanted a cup of coffee from a specific place that I had no car. (laughs) You delivered coffee. (laughs) Coffee and a muffin. I treated myself for my birthday. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Nikki, how about you? Do you use them?
2: I use DoorDash. Um, I haven't had any bad experiences. um, And I've actually used them a lot for Chipotle. Chipotle had a a promo running in late December and early January where they had free delivery. So I definitely took advantage of that.
0: I took advantage of that one as well. That was a good one. (laughs) Taco Bell is actually doing the same thing right now because they started doing in-app delivery. But anyway, the reason I'm asking is because Jimmy John's, they're a pretty popular sandwich sandwich chain in the US, they have launched a new promotional campaign where they brag about not being in delivery apps. And the reason they're doing this is because they believe a lot of people have bad experiences. They cited a study conducted by the Boston Consulting Group that found that 35% of customers who have used delivery services... Say they have experienced a problem with their their deliveries, 76% hold the restaurant itself at least partially responsible for any errors. 92% of customers expect their food deliveries within 15 to 30 minutes, while the largest delivery services average 49-minute delivery times. So, Jimmy John's, like I said, they started a new campaign where they brag about not being on DoorDash and all these other ones. That said, they do have their own drivers at their own restaurants. I have to say, I agree with this. The whole in-app delivery business right now is a total mess. I would say maybe one in three or one in four of my deliveries are messed up.
1: Yeah. I was also going to note that Jimmy John's has their own delivery app.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, I mean, I think that they're able to stay on top of having that freaky fast delivery that they brag about because they're only having to handle their own shit. I think it's I think it's a lot harder when you have an app like, say, Uber Eats or DoorDash that's handling multiple restaurants and that is dependent on independent contractors being available to come pick stuff up and drop it off.
0: Right. I don't so think
1: it's the same thing.
0: It's like Chipotle, you order through their app, but it's actually Grubhub or one of these other ones that delivers it. And I've had multiple problems with these before. I've had these issues where people don't actually even go and pick up my order at chipotle i had a couple weeks ago um right before millennial the the driver who was assigned didn't pick it up i walked down there myself and got it but i was so pissed off i just wonder if the restaurants have to follow jimmy john's lead and just do this themselves because this is a huge business mcdonald's for mcdonald's this has been a three billion dollar business so far teaming up with postmates um But it hurts them because they're getting shitty delivery drivers.
2: One delivery I had through the Chipotle app, Andrew, when it's actually run in my area through DoorDash and the delivery driver didn't know what they were picking up. And so when he came to my door, he was like, do you know why this order was so weird? Because the Chipotle side of the app wasn't telling the DoorDash side what people were actually ordering. It just said that there was an order available. And so I see huh. that that could potentially cause a lot of issues and people getting the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. But then even some of these companies that do their own deliveries screw up. So over the weekend it was Pat's birthday and uh he really likes he really likes Insomnia cookies. They're it's basically Me a restaurant too. for their cookie place for people who get high cuz they're open till like 4 a.m. <laughs> they're busy. They're popular on college campuses. But anyway, on his birthday, I order him An Insomnia birthday cookie cake. It's 10 inches. You can pick the type of cookie. You can have it say something on top of it. Great. Perfect for the birthday. So Insomnia delivers this themselves. I get it. Uh, You know, surprise, Pat. Here's a cookie cake. I open it up in front of him. Half the fucking cookie cake is smushed at the bottom because he had it like sideways in his bag. So it said like happy on it. half the cookie was gone i'm like wow way to like kind of put a downer on the the birthday gift come on man
1: yeah you ruined pat's birthday
0: yeah and you know there's the tip there's the delivery fee so this was like an extra seven bucks just for this guy to smush half the cookie wonderful anyway It's an interesting situation right now with all these delivery apps. I would like to see other restaurants follow Jimmy John's and deliver the food themselves so they can train their own employees to deliver these properly and not screw them up. Laura, what's going on with you?
1: Yes, I have something to fucking bitch about. So uh, my HOA contacted me on Friday with an email that was titled, Urgent Response Required. And I read this email and it's the HOA telling me, hey, so we got your monthly payment uh, for the homeowners association, but um, you're not paying the right association. And they basically proceed to tell me that my auto pay that has been set up for almost two years at this point has been going to the wrong association this entire time.
0: Oh, my God
1: and they're like you you should probably call your bank and have them change the association it's going to to this one and like the one they gave me is the exact same name as the one I've been paying into which is probably why it happened um and I had a couple of problems here first of all how the fuck is my bank going to know the difference right like why would they know that secondly i had an issue like a year ago where i kept getting assessed late fees and i reached out to the property manager and was like dude what the hell i've been paying you stop assessing me these late fees and he was like oh yeah i can clear those no problem and so he cleared the late fees and he didn't catch this
0: (laughs) people suck (laughs) they do
1: and so I I'm like trying to figure out what to do because I logged into my payment portal and I was like, I'll gladly change the association, except it doesn't let me. There's no option for me to edit it. I reached out to the property manager and was like, uh, bro, what the fuck? And yeah. he still hasn't gotten back to me. So I'm just sitting here waiting. So, you know, I'm p- paying you my 185 a month.
0: So does your association expect you to get this money over to them now?
1: I don't think so. So I think what happened is there's like a big sort of like overarching company that manages multiple HOAs. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's happening is they're managing my HOA and this other HOA of a different condo association that have very similar names and are both in the same city. So when you go and like, in this portal, when you initially sign in to set up your auto pay, it's like, hey, start typing the name of your association. So when I first moved here, I did that. Only one association popped up. And so I chose it. And it turns out like literally the only difference is that my association doesn't have the name townhome in it. And this other association does. (laughs) Everything else is the same. But uh yeah, it's it's been fun and I'm a little like this is one of the downsides of having a really chill HOA. So my HOA like that, they don't do shit. Like, I mean they keep they they keep the lawn mode and they get the garbage picked up and everything, but what's nice is that they're not super up your shit all the time. Like people can kind of modify their condos how they want. Things are very loose, like mm-hmm. But it has the downside of if you ever actually have a problem or need something, good fucking luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My uh, my condo president has a large stick up his ass. Me and my downstairs neighbors talk about it all the time. So, so
1: you have the opposite problem.
0: Exactly. And okay. now I'm praying he doesn't listen to this podcast secretly. That would be <laughs> super embarrassing. Pam, how were the Grammys over the weekend?
3: So long. But... Like- <laughs> enjoyable at some parts
0: <laughs> yeah i checked twitter around 11 o'clock and they were just ending meaning midnight eastern i was like whoa
3: i i know and it's it, it's crazy because i have covered the grammys before the first time i ever covered the grammys i covered them from the stable center in house and the awards are even longer than what they televise like, they start dishing those out at 2 p.m <laughs> So it's a really long day. You don't Uh, even see half of it. And they still ran for three hours on television.
0: Yeah. Well, half the problem is that they have a billion musical performances, right?
3: Yes. And I will say that, honestly, um, I I feel like the Grammys is, is kind of the award show that a lot of people don't really tune into if the lineup of performers is not the best or not super well known. But if you're a really big fan of music, it does kind of help usher the show along if you're waiting for performances from certain people and it keeps things a little bit more lively than say the oscars which really only has you know the opening number and then like four performances for whatever's nominated for best song and then like the in memoriam so there's a lot more to see it's a little flashier but it definitely starts to drag towards the last hour
0: don't forget the part in the oscars where celebrities go and surprise unsuspecting people
3: That's right, and put them on the spot, audience participation at its finest.
0: (laughs) So crazy. And they just announced today, Monday, that they are cutting four categories from the televised broadcast. And it's still
3: probably going to be three hours long.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) That's the crazy part. I will say, though, uh, one of the interesting things that I found out this morning is that this year's broadcast actually drew in 100,000 more viewers than last year's which was pretty interesting uh, and a very nice little cherry on the cake to everybody that was hemming and hawing over the fact that women were not very well represented in last year's ceremony. And that was a well-deserved piece of criticism. And they made up for it tenfold this year. It was definitely spotlighted on female artists and as it should be, because you know women are making great music too, and it's important that they're recognized.
0: I didn't watch because Pat and I were watching the final two episodes of You, but I want to know, what did Lady Gaga perform?
3: Oh, of course she performed De Shallow. I didn't realize you could headbang "To Shallow <laughs> until I saw her performance.
0: Oh, she was headbanging "To Shallow? I need to watch this.
3: Yeah, it, I will say that it, it's um, the song completely transforms when Bradley Cooper is not there. It's It's so not <laughs> a Gaga song. Uh-huh. But she gogified the performance, you know, like it's oh. a song that was made for a character in a movie mm-hmm. and it just like brought a whole new life to to see her in like, you know, a head to toe sequined jumpsuit, right.
0: just rocking
3: out to this song that's supposed to be a tender acoustic driven ballad.
0: Melissa Senor on SNL did basically all of Shadow during Weekend Update, Shallow, during weekend update over the weekend and she was actually really fucking good i was shocked i saw a clip of that and she needs
3: to get more credit than she probably gets week to week because the way that she's able to transform her face and her body when she does impressions is
0: amazing (laughs) yeah and her vocals like legitimately were pitch perfect during Mm -hmm. shallow i was pleasantly surprised (laughs) i was super into it (laughs) Anyway, um little update on the 2020 race. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren is in, as is Minneapolis, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. Is that her name? Amy? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, But Laura, there's been some drama with Elizabeth Warren, oh, right?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. So the latest on Elizabeth, of course, everyone knows that Trump has been calling her Pocahontas for God knows how long because... For quite some time, Elizabeth Warren has been claiming Native American ancestry and then very stupidly decided to lean into that controversy by creating like a five minute long short story about getting her DNA tested to confirm that she has some very small trace amounts of Native American ancestry in her background and the latest is that on her bar association card from the state of Texas in, like, the 80s, I guess, she listed her race as Native American. So she's been getting dragged for that, rightly so. Mm-hmm. But then the fucking president turns around, and after her, her official announcement, although we've all known that she's going to run forever now made a fucking trail of tears joke on Twitter about
0: her. yeah.
1: And this just goes to show, like, the gaslighting and just the completely uneven standards that are applied to Democrats and Republicans and also men and women. Mm. Like, Elizabeth Warren totally deserves to be dragged for trying to claim uh, this this small amount of native american an- ancestry and then also trying to write it off as her race but we're not dragging the guy who makes the trail of tears joke on twitter and we're not like and he's got like 21 sexual assault allegations against him not to mention you know all the russia shit yeah so it's just, it's frustrating to watch that. But I also kind of wanted to get y'all's take on the Native American heritage drama. Like, as progressives, how do we feel about this? Is this, you know, is this a deal breaker? Nikki, do you have any thoughts on this?
2: Um. Yeah, I think, I mean, as of right now, she's not my favorite candidate in the race. But part of me also wants to ask a, a question in return of, Do you think she knows that this is unacceptable and is kind of laying it all out there now, which is almost two years before the race, um, just to kind of get ahead of it?
1: I think that was the intention. Um, Mm -hmm. I think probably what happened, and God knows probably most of our families have this, someone somewhere always usually claims to have a Native American ancestor I know people in my family, like older relatives, have claimed this in the past. So I don't think it's an uncommon narrative, especially in American families. And I'm sure she heard this story growing up. And she leaned into it, and she leaned into it way too fucking far. And now it's come out that, you know, she was claiming something that she really had no right to be claiming in the capacity that she was doing so. And... Knowing her record and knowing how she legislates, I truly believe that she she wants to repent for that. I do believe it. I However, feel that, that too. Uh, it doesn't mean that she shouldn't be criticized for it.
2: Oh, no. I absolutely agree. She should be criticized for it. Um, it was unacceptable, but I think she is trying to get ahead of it right now and that she yeah. knows it was unacceptable.
1: I think so too. I just wonder... You know, I I, th- I remember when she made that video, I was like, you are giving Trump way more ammunition than you need to. Just let it go. Yeah. Stop trying to do this. And then this whole thing about the Bar Association registration card came out, and I was like, well, she's never going to get away from this.
0: <laughs> yeah, Laura was like, well, there goes her campaign. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I think she might be done.
0: She's one of those candidates who... A couple years ago, everybody was all about them. Elizabeth Warren was one of the top picks in 2016 and maybe even in 2012. I remember seeing her on Bill Maher and everybody would freak out about her. Same thing with Chris Christie on the right. People were so passionate about him and then they wait too long and they lose their moment. And I think Elizabeth Warren, um, this is not her moment. There are a lot of young people on uh, running for the Democratic ticket. And at this point, I'm I'm over Joe Biden. He hasn't announced yet, but I don't think he should step in. I don't think Warren should uh, be a serious contender. I want one of these young chickens.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my hope is that, you know, should should Warren not be the candidate? My hope is that she concedes gracefully and throws all of her support behind whoever the candidate is. Because I know that I'm voting for the Democrat in twenty twenty. It literally (laughs) does not fucking matter at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like even though I I have some, you know, this thing with Warren claiming this ancestry really bothers me, would still vote for her over Trump.
0: Hands down. (laughs) I'm all in on Kamala Harris at this point.
1: Yeah, I like her a lot, but I'm still trying to Keep an open mind, because there's still so much time right between now and then. Um, who knows?
0: There have been some rumors you know? about Beto running. There was a profile on him in the New York Times. He, this dude, he's got a family, but after he lost the uh, Texas race late, late last year, he's been on the road for the past month, just like exploring the country on his own. And I found this out from the New York Times. He's keeping this blog on Medium about all his travels and I've been reading it. It's actually super interesting because he's just out there on his own, doing his own thing, not really looking for attention or anything, but just talking to anybody who will speak to him.
3: I would like to see him wait though. Same. I feel like it's too close um, and that could come back to bite him in the butt a little bit. And also we're inundated with a lot of really great candidates right now. And I feel like Beto's only going to get stronger If he gives himself a little bit of time and distance from the hype and people will still remember him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he needs some distance from losing to Ted Cruz too, (laughs) 100 percent
0: with all this traveling he's doing. I hope he has some good car insurance. Oh, and you know what? Our first sponsor (laughs) this week, Policy Genius. Beto, listen up. Whether you're an insurance expert or a newbie, Policy Genius created a website that makes it easy for you to compare quotes, get advice and get covered policy genius is the easy way to get life insurance in minutes you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can afford from there you just apply online and the advisors at policy genius will handle all the red tape they'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company no extra fees no commissioned sales agents just helpful advice and personalized service And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, pet insurance, health insurance, they can help you get covered fast. This is the place to do it. One place for all insurance policies. Take a look at their life insurance options. It's not a topic we like thinking about, but it's an important one. No matter how much or how little you know about life insurance, you can find the right policy in minutes at policygenius.com policy genius again it's the easy way to compare and buy life insurance they're so easy i don't even have a promo code for you just go to their website policygenius.com all right nikki it's time to talk to you so you heard our discussion last week and uh we i was looking at the the co-host applications and by coincidence you were next in our list uh i say coincidence because what you filled out in the forum relates to that discussion we were having last week. So let's start off with this. You recently-ish quit your job and took a new one. When did you leave your last job?
2: Um, I left my last job in October of 2018.
0: And you said it was for reasons similar to Pat. Can you tell us about those issues?
2: Yeah. So Pat, last week, I'm definitely able to relate. As he said, he's having a number of issues with HR at his company and my previous employer had similar issues. Um, They're growing very quickly, which is great, and it was great to be a part of. However, as a company grows really quickly, things are always changing and things are getting thrown at you. And it can be difficult to keep up and also keep employee morale and manage HR issues when they do come up without some structure and organization in place. And unfortunately, in my situation, top-level management just didn't really believe in structure and organization. And so with my role as kind of a middle manager, with the growing responsibility of a top-level manager, it just got to a point where I had to leave for my mental health.
0: Mm. Hey, that was really bold of you, though, just saying like, hey, I can't do this anymore. This is bad for my head. I need to yeah, get out.
2: Seriously. Yeah, thank you. It was definitely a risk, but I had come to the realization that my mental health was just the most important.
0: Mm. So funnily enough, you found your new job through this podcast. How the hell did that happen?
2: <laughs> I did, yeah. So there was a, a about a two-month period there where I was unemployed, and I was mostly taking a break but looking for kind of the right opportunity to pop up. And I was in the millennial group one day, and Ashley had posted that, she was going to be moving on from her job and she was tasked with finding her replacement and I didn't really know what it was but I really respect the entire millennial community over there so I decided to find out more info and one thing led to another and I got hired and um, I'm absolutely loving my new role and it's made a huge difference for my mental and physical health
0: Jesus hey anybody got a job for me over in the (laughs) facebook
1: group (laughs) is this uh is this a remote job i'm sorry is this a remote job like are you working from home
2: it is yeah i telecommute so i'm the. that's awesome i know i love it it's so different but it's really interesting and and it's been incredible
0: i like that you use telecommute as a verb like you like it's almost like you're moving somewhere but really you just move from your bed to your desk right
3: that is true. Maybe, maybe I should start telling people I telecommute to hive a <laughs>
0: Me too. There you go. I come out of the bedroom, beep, beep.
3: Hey yeah, everybody, I, telecommuting I go, to make the coffee desk. and then I check Slack. <laughs>
0: right, right. My telecommute is miserable. I wake up and I go straight to work. There's no in between. <laughs> uh, well that's that is really great. Um, wow. That's honestly like really inspiring.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: At your old job, what were you looking for in a candidate? Inspire us. How do we get hired?
2: (laughs) Well, let me first start off by saying I'm not a management expert, but I have really enjoyed it and had experience managing people who are all very different. Um, And I have had to hire a few people in my previous role. And basically, I just look for someone who's done their research, you know, addressing the cover letter to me or someone within the company. Also personalizing the cover letter, you'd be surprised at how many applications that I got that are titled, Dear Hiring Manager, or Don't Talk About Anything Mentioned in the Job Posting.
3: Hmm. And
2: then in interviews, I just like to ask questions, a couple questions about the company itself. Just a little test to see what they know. And at the end of the day, I think that really shows who cares about the role and not just about finding a job.
0: You just mentioned you have to deal with lots of different types of people being in a manager position. How do you how do you find the threads to stitch everyone t- together, to keep everybody happy together? And separately, and how do you deal with different types of workers?
2: In my experience, communication is key. You know, I always like to check in with employees, whether that be through individual check-ins or group check-ins and just trying to understand their learning styles, understanding kind of their short and long-term goals, asking them their opinions on changes being made, especially since I was in such a fast-moving company, and if possible, give them a platform to speak and ask questions and be a fly on the wall in meetings where they normally wouldn't be invited, just so they feel that that their presence is valued. And I think long-term, it's all those little things that fosters an environment where they feel empowered, and that their voices are heard, and that it's important.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And you also have some side hustles?
2: I do, yeah. I manage a couple websites. So the first is for my fiance. She's an incredibly talented artist. And so this past fall, um, I made her a website where she can sell her art online. So I, I build and manage that um, that's emilymackieart.com. And then the second, um, is a much bigger one is I helped to build and manage a website for one of my friends. She actually owns a little sock store in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco called Sock Shop Page Street. Um, it's this really cute little store. And so we brought her store online and we launched that project this past fall. Um, and so as part of that project, we decided as a woman owned business that we'd be donating 5% of the online profits towards charities <laughs> that empower women and girls.
0: I'm on com, looking Me at too. the art. It's beautiful. Yeah, is your she's fiance. so
1: talented. Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: Now you keep a cut of all this, right? Because you made the website.
2: <laughs> no, that's all, that's all on her.
0: I'm just being a dick. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Why did you pick up these side jobs? Did you realize you needed a little extra income or were these more passion projects?
2: They were definitely more passion projects. Um, Really just the opportunity to work with those people. And the sock shop project was definitely a passion project in that I had worked with that friend before. And it was just incredible to work with her. And when she approached me with the project, I really couldn't turn it down. It just sounded like too much fun.
0: You made these websites yourself. How long have you been in web design or like what kind of tools do you use? Um,
2: the first one is just built on Wix, really. So it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And then the Sock Shop project is built on Shopify. So we used the Shopify template and kind of customized it where we needed to. And mm-hmm. I don't have any formal training in web design. I've just really enjoyed it. and kind of self-taught
0: yeah awesome
1: angel in the discord is saying that she feels like she's listening to a job interview right now (laughs) 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 shout out to everyone over at the discord by the way
0: (laughs) um i feel like being able to build websites is a good skill to have and the secret is like thanks to tools like wix or squarespace It can be pretty easy to do it, but a lot of people don't know how easy it is. So you can say, oh, hey, I'm good at building websites. You can probably pick up a lot of gigs that way.
2: Absolutely. I've really thought about that, actually, because it's so simple, but a lot of people don't understand even where to go. So it can be definitely a benefit. And I think I'm thinking about doing that long term and researching more and teaching myself more.
0: Did you tell your fiance that it would take like two years to build a site when all, in all reality, it took like 10 minutes?
2: <laughs> um, no, but that would have been good.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks for filling us in on, on all that. And I'm still like wowed by the fact that you got a job through the Millennial Facebook group. That is so sweet. <laughs> thank you. Who was that again? Who hooked you up?
2: Uh, her name is Ashley.
0: Ashley. Thank so you.
2: Shout out to Ashley. Thank you.
0: Are you guys like best friends now?
2: <laughs> um we're definitely friends. We we kind of worked together for about a month. So she trained me for a month. I had that opportunity, which was really nice. That's awesome.
0: And does she work remotely as well? She
2: she does and she did. Um so okay. I, th- I think she telecommutes now as well in her new role.
0: Love that 30 second commute.
1: andrew's over here so like taking notes like okay so i just need to read the facebook group more often
0: (laughs) yeah exactly that's it i'm downloading the facebook (laughs) app again i'm back baby
2: (laughs) it's funny though because now that we have discord i'm hardly on facebook so
0: i kind of missed the facebook group that was our intention
2: (laughs) yeah no it's really nice over there
0: yeah, it is.
1: All right. Well, before we move on with some news, we do have a small confessional here. This was written in response to a story out of Minneapolis. as uh, happened a few years ago in 2015, a case of road rage gone bad. Um, a gentleman had his car uh, very slowly sideswiped by a school bus as it was trying to merge onto the highway during hazardous road conditions. The gentleman got very upset, got out of his car, tried to get into the school bus, and the school bus driver informed him, no, you can't get in this bus because there's still a child in here. So what did this guy do but decide to go step right out in front of the bus and shoot the bus driver through the windshield? Because that's normal.
2: Oh, oh my gosh. Uh,
1: thankfully, bus drivers survived. Um but this suspect was finally going to appear in court in 2019, a few years after this happened. So the confessional says, I don't understand how people think guns keep them safer. I don't want the prevailing mentality to be, I have to carry a gun because everyone else has a gun. I don't want to have to worry about shootouts in the street.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I feel you. I will say... um Owning a gun doesn't seem like too big of an issue yet in terms of getting to that shootout phase. I think we're still a ways off from that. Um, however, I'm with you as well. There's been study, there's been study after study showing that guns will often go off in somebody's home in an unintended fashion. Somebody will accidentally shoot it, and they'll end up killing themselves. That's what happens most of the time, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of statistics surrounding the fact that if you have a gun in the home, you're far more likely to injure yourself or a loved one than you would be to actually shoot an intruder. That said, I I think on this issue, I come across as relatively moderate for a progressive, um, because I don't have an issue with people owning things like rifles and pistols for personal use. I think the Constitution grants them the right to have that. My issue is that there is nothing well-regulated about this militia. And that's the part of the Second Amendment that sort of like gun nuts tend to disregard entirely. And I live in the South. I grew up in the South. I have... Many friends who are gun owners, and thankfully, all of the people that I know personally are responsible gun owners. So I don't have an issue with them because I know they're responsible. But one of their number one arguments that they love to bring up, and I shoot them down every time, pun intended, um, they're like, the good thing is, you know, we have these weapons so that we could rise up against the government. And I'm like, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. You know why? Because the government has drones. So, like, if you want right. to have a gun because you like guns or you like hunting or you like target shooting, like, that's fine. Just admit that you like guns. Don't give me this shit about rising up against a tyrannical government yeah. that could blow you to bits with a nuke if it wanted to.
3: But also, that's such a terrifying reasoning, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, you, that you feel like you might need to start a revolution. (laughs) Well, the thing that gets me is that people feel like they have to have some kind of deep philosophical reason for liking the things they like. And I'm like, no, you don't need to. But the problem is that there are so many irresponsible gun owners out there who are taking advantage of all the loopholes that exist in the current system that make you look bad. And your response to that is to try and come up with some deep, meaning about why you have to have this gun when I would have more respect for you if you could just say that you like guns. Right. And you know that you bring up a really
3: good point about uh, responsible gun owners too, because like my grandpa owns uh, hunting rifles, but anytime he's out of town, he will not leave those guns in the house because he knows that people know that they're there. So he'll leave them with like somebody he trusts. Exactly. That will not touch them that can make sure that nobody gets their hands on them. But for every person that does that, there's probably a hundred people that just don't care or don't think to do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, or that, that live with children and don't lock their weapons up. That too, because you, you know, know my
3: grandparents used to take care of us when we were younger and like, I'm sure the guns were there because they're friggin' old. They've been there forever, but we never knew where they were. Mm. There was no way we could ever get to them.
0: And does anyone honestly think that we would ever be in a situation where everybody would get together, I don't know, through Facebook and be like, hey, let's all go raid DC and rise up against the government with our guns. And let's all think about how that's going to go. Like Laura said, the drones, but also thousands of rednecks showing up in DC, rising up against the government, government they're all going to accidentally shoot each other Um they're gonna start shooting at people they don't like, even if they're on their side or whatever. It would be a complete and utter mess. <laughs> and it 100%. wouldn't go how anyone seems to imagine it would go.
3: And I think that that's why uh, the idea of conceal carry makes me really anxious because I don't know. You just don't know people's temperament. Look at this news story that we're talking about right now. Exactly. I don't think there's yeah. any reason for that guy to have had to have carried a gun everywhere. And there was certainly no reason for him to shoot somebody else over
1: a small little fender bender. Right. Right, exactly. So I think the moral of this story is, and this is just my opinion, but having a gun, not a not a fucking automatic weapon, You you don't live in a goddamn war zone. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why anybody needs an AR-15 in their bedroom. But pistols, rifles, if you're responsible and you're licensed and you're practiced... And I also think that gun owners should have to carry insurance because I have to carry insurance on my car, which isn't intended to be a death machine. <laughs> um, so I, I think that people who are responsible, I have no problem with that. But it's these yahoos who want to buy unregistered guns from gun shows and then get all pissed off if they end up in a database. Bitch, you want to buy something that's a killing machine? You should be in a database.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's sorry. something wrong with you, and we need to keep track of you.
1: Well, no, I don't think there's <laughs> anything wrong with you, but like, I'm in a database because I, I own—I'm in a database because I own a car.
0: Right. Like. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're we're all in <laughs> thousands of databases. What's one more, an important one, at that? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: We're going to talk about Disney's live action movies because a preview of Aladdin came out over the weekend and it's gotten some backlash. But first, our second sponsor this week is Audible. We've been podcasting for about 14 years now. Audible has been with us the whole way, which is pretty crazy. And it's easy to understand why audiobooks are just like podcasts with Audible You get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivational books, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. Audible members can choose three titles every month. You get one audiobook and two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. And just like with Millennial, you can listen to your audiobooks on any device, at home, at the gym, on your commute, on your telecommute, (laughs) or just on the go. This week, I want to recommend a good self-help book, speaking of motivational books. Every once in a while, I pick one up because I really find them motivating. I don't know how they do it, but I'll be reading one of these, and I I find these through great reviews on Amazon, and I start reading it, and I am legitimately moved. You've probably seen Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass. It's got the yellow cover. You can't miss it. She released a follow-up a couple years ago. It's called You Are a Badass at Making Money. And I love this book because it can inspire you to pursue your dreams, which in a lot of cases involves money, of course. The subtitle actually really, nail- really nails it. It says um, it's about mastering the mindset of wealth by overcoming your fears and your expectations. And this is one of my favorite parts about this book. Jen... Narrates the audiobook herself. And I say this every time this happens. I love when the author does that because it shows that they're really proud of the book. And you get to hear them speak from the heart in their own words. I just love when they do that. Audible has the most inspiring minds and the most compelling stories. It's the best way, and frankly, as far as I'm concerned, the only place to listen to books. You can get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com M-I-L-L or text M-I-L-L to 500-500 and listen, if you don't like a book, you can exchange it for another book no problem. And by the way, every book you get as part of your subscription is yours to keep forever. This is a subscription service, but the book that you're getting in any month that you're, sub- you're a subscriber, you get to keep it forever. Again, get a 30 day trial when you go to audible.com slash M I L L or text M I L L to 500 500. Listen to a book today, just like you do. This podcast.
3: Let's talk about Disney. Uh, Disney unveiled a new first look at their live action Aladdin over the weekend during the Grammys. Uh, This has a lot more footage than the original teaser they released uh, sometime during a football game that nobody can remember. And uh, yeah, we definitely do get some great first looks at some of the characters like Jafar and Jasmine and Abu and the Magic Carpet. But really, I just want to talk about this because. Will Smith also makes his first appearance as the genie, and I was shook, but not in the good way.
0: (laughs) I saw you tweet. Was I supposed to laugh out loud when he came on the screen?
3: Yeah, I think it was nervous laughter to mask my fear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What what upsets you about it, or what makes you laugh? It's
3: just so unsettling. I don't know what I thought they were going... I don't know what I was thinking was going to happen. I just didn't expect... (laughs) Like a weird CGI body, and then Will Smith's face just (laughs) superimposed onto that. Mm -hmm. It's not even the color that bothers me, it's just the execution.
0: Yeah. So, does he have legs? Do we know that yet? Have we seen his bottom half?
3: I don't think so. Oh. I was a little too uh, fixated on his face, like what was going on with his face.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really looks like one of those shitty... Um, Like videos. You guys remember the Annoying Orange mm-hmm. videos where it was like fruit, but they superimposed people's faces onto mm-hmm. the fruit. It was like mm-hmm. early 2000s. It looks like that because his face does not match the body. Like, right. it's just Will Smith's face on this head that's too big for his face. Right. And then this like super buff body. It's. <laughs> really unsettling and weird looking also that beard that he has like doesn't move with his face when he talks mm. <laughs> there's something like i i felt so bad cuz i was reading through twitter and seeing the horrible reactions people were having and i was like they must be panicking right now like yeah they must be like oh we got to go back and fix this or like i was also like how did the how many hands did this get through. (laughs) Yeah. I know. It reminded me kind of, um,
3: (laughs) do you remember in, was it Goblet of Fire where they they did the, uh, like, Sirius and the Fire? And
1: it just looked so bad.
0: (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah, that looked bad.
0: I'm wondering if this is going to be the first, quote-unquote, reimagining that Disney has done that is actually going to just be largely made fun of. It's going to be one of those movies that's so bad, it's good. Because I don't think anyone's really had anything positive to say about what we've seen so far. A lot of it looks hokey to me. Mm. Maybe this story just wasn't meant for a quote-unquote live-action reimagining.
3: To be fair, we haven't seen a lot.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: But this movie's not gotten off on the right foot. Uh, specifically uh, because there was an article that came out about a year ago now probably that um, featured some interviews with some extras saying that they were browning up white Mm. people (laughs) to play some of these Middle Eastern characters because they quote-unquote couldn't find people talented enough to play performers in the streets and stuff that were actually of, you know, African-Arabic descent, which was kind of ridiculous. And um, I don't know. It's just like... There's some weird claims that are being made about this uh, that don't really sit well, I think, with some people. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to pass judgment until you kind of see everything in action.
0: As a kid, Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie. I had tons of Aladdin toys. I had Jafar's staff. I had these play sets. I was so obsessed. And I think another thing that's making a lot of people critique... Will Smith's genie is that everybody loved Robin Williams's genie. And that's a hard thing to live up to.
1: It is, but I do think that if anybody has the charisma to carry off the character of genie, it is Will Smith. Yeah. But he can only do so so much. You know what I mean? Like, If they make him look completely ridiculous, and if the writing isn't good, he can't fix that. Mm-hmm. So. I totally agree. And I was having this
3: exact conversation almost verbatim with somebody last night too. Um, because like we know that Will Smith can do action and he can kind of do comedy. If you look at something like even like Men in Black, um, Independence Day, which are all kind of like hokey premises, Will Smith sells that because of his personality and what he can bring to a role like that. But if they don't really let him do his thing or if he's not good at improvising, you're right, it's just going to fall flat either way, and it won't even really be his fault, unfortunately, the public might blame him.
0: Yeah. What do you guys think about Disney's reimaginings as a whole so far? Do you like that they're doing these? Is it lazy? What?
1: I have mixed feelings. Um, I did not love Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I really quite liked The Jungle Book, except for the songs. I, mm-hmm. I thought the songs in The Jungle Book were so hokey, especially the King Louie one with fucking Christopher Walken. <laughs> I also just really hate Christopher Walken. He freaks me out. Hey, and... why you say that, honey? <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I saw the movie in theaters, had no idea that Christopher Walken played King Louie. And then he came out, and I was like, something about king louis really making me uncomfortable like i was just like my butt cheeks were clenched in the seat (laughs) i was just like there's something really weird about this and then i saw the credits and i was like oh that's why
0: (laughs) (laughs) i liked jungle book and i think disney really liked how john favreau handled that they liked it so much that he's doing their reimagining of the lion king i hesitate to say live action because there's no actual people in that
1: right i'm excited for that though
0: Mm -hmm. um other ones that have come out maleficent that was one of the earliest ones cinderella the bfg pete's dragon beauty and the beast was the most recent i i guess i i liked beauty and the beast i i think i liked jungle book more because it felt less hokey to me king louis aside
2: I yeah, agree. I it, liked, it did. I liked Beauty and the Beast as well. Yeah. Although I am a little biased. I think it's because Emma Watson was in it.
0: Yeah. I thought she was perfect for that.
1: Me too. And see, this is going to make me sound like an asshole. Like, <laughs> she's the reason that I did not like it.
0: Well, she can't sing, <laughs> and she was clearly auto-tuned. Right. Yeah, oh, that clearly. bothered me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did a poll over on Patreon. We asked our supporters, what's your favorite of the reimagining so far uh interestingly a couple people including ashley and jen said that they haven't seen any of these yet which is Mm -hmm. actually surprising the reason disney's been doing these is because these seem like surefire money makers especially
3: for the millennial generation that grew up with all these movies so
0: exactly on the other hand a lot of people are pissed off that they're doing this because it's like hey how about coming up with some original ideas instead of remaking the classics but um, 20 people said their favorite was Beauty and the Beast. That was the top answer. Number two was Maleficent with 11 votes. The Jungle Book was third with 10 votes. Uh, then Cinderella came in fourth place with five votes. Alice in Wonderland, that was the very, very first one. That But that was way back in 2010 before they turned this into a whole big thing. That received a single vote. The BFG and Pete's Dragon received... Zero mm-hmm. votes.
3: It's very in- well. BFG is also not a um a Disney movie, right? That's a World Doll.
0: But it was released by Disney.
3: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to me that Beauty and the Beast won, though. But I guess maybe people like the ones that are true to the animated counterparts that they fell in love with as children. Mm-hmm. Because all the ones that scored lower on this particular poll are. Movies where they took kind of like inspiration, but mm-hmm. made them their own stories.
0: And and to that point, there are three big ones coming out this year, right?
3: Yes. So we have Dumbo, which drops next month in March. Then Aladdin comes out in May and The Lion King is due out in July. That's just in 2019. We also have Mulan coming down the pipeline and um, Pinocchio was just announced as well. Uh, 101 dalmatians which is allegedly set to be released exclusively via disney plus which is the new online streaming platform for the studio
1: so these movies are not going anywhere mm-hmm. wait there's a new live action 101 dalmatians coming mm-hmm. yeah but but we had the the glenn close one
3: yes oh there's also a new corella <laughs> Deville movie
0: oh, coming yeah. out
1: with emma stone <laughs> okay I, I can see that actually
0: and you have to wonder, like, how long until they start creating live action reimaginings of the Pixar movies? Because those are be obviously terrifying. Huge. <laughs> yeah, they can't do that. Please, God, please do not do that. Anyway, so as Pam just said, a few big ones coming out this year. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, particularly for Lion King and I guess Aladdin because I loved it so much. And Aladdin's really hot in this movie. It looks like so. I'm into that,
3: yeah. it's a musical. That's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, hell yeah!
3: I, I'm still gonna go watch these, but I, I, despite feeling like it's a little too much, all of these coming out at once. But
0: mm-hmm. you know, it always always cracks me up when they reinterpret the songs for these trailers to get everybody excited about how this is like a new vision for the series. And this happens with a lot of movie trailers, but like, like with Aladdin they have some of the classic music, but instead of like, Wa, da, 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 it's like, <laughs> da, 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 da. it's supposed to be like big and epic. And it's like, okay, you're just, you're just remaking it to make some easy cash. Calm down. Huh. So I wanted to talk a little tech. Do you, think you use Waze, the GPS app? Sometimes.
3: I used it all the time I when I lived in LA.
0: Yeah, it's really important in LA. You don't use it? Nikki?
2: No, I don't. I just use Google Maps.
0: But does it tell you police reported ahead?
2: It does not, but I should probably use it for that.
0: Exactly. And police departments around the country have not been very cool with that feature because police vehicles like to hide to run speed traps or DUI traps. Now, the New York Police Department, which is the largest force in the nation, sent a letter to Google demanding that they pull that feature from Waze. Google owns Waze. They bought Waze about two or three years ago. The NYPD said, The posting of such information for public consumption is irresponsible since it only serves to aid impaired and intoxicated drivers to evade checkpoints and encourage reckless driving revealing the location of checkpoints puts those drivers, their passengers, and the general public at risk. Google said in a statement that safety was a top priority and that informing drivers about upcoming speed traps allows them to be more careful and make safer decisions when they're on the road, <laughs> which is so bullshit. This just helps us avoid speeding tickets and DUI checkpoints. That's all it comes down to. It doesn't make us safer. Um, so I'm actually very split on this. Because I agree with police departments that this does affect safety. People are speeding more often and they think they know when a cop is ahead. So they can they can keep speeding until they run into a cop warning. Um, on the other hand, this is a great feature. For consumers i love using this during long distance drives i'll use Waze to drive from chicago to new jersey and i will be speeding and when i hear police reported ahead i lower my cruise control down to the speed limit and then once i get past the cop i speed back up <laughs> how do you guys feel about this should Waze continue uh including this feature or should they listen to police departments
1: I think if they don't continue including the feature, consumers may try to find other ways around that through the app. Because, like, you can record traffic hazards and things. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see consumers, like, reporting a traffic hazard, but then including some kind of specific emoji (laughs) in that warning to Dino, like, actually, this is a cop. So... I think there's a demand for this kind of feature. And I think if you took it away, people would find a way. It's like life finds a way. Right. Speed finds a way.
0: That's- <laughs> Show title. <laughs> That's true,
1: though, because, like,
3: I mean, regardless of this particular feature on the Waze app, police uh, radars and stuff, those are not technically new technology. You know, a lot of people that commute or travel long distances via car for work, they just, you know opt in for these police scanners i had an uncle that used to have one in his car and that was back in the 90s Mm -hmm. so it's true yeah it's just gonna happen either way yeah Yeah. and
1: i actually used to have an app on my phone that was specifically a like a, a police reporting app so people are gonna do it no matter what
2: Yeah, and if the demand is there for the app for that specific feature, they'll probably just stop using it in favor of using that police scanner.
0: Right. Or another app will come along specifically for (laughs) being warned about police reported ahead. (laughs) I have noticed... um, So after Google bought Waze, Google started putting some Waze data in Google Maps. Sometimes when you see... Uh, like a construction warning or a delay, it'll say right within Google Maps, delay reported by Waze, accident reported by Waze. But I find it very interesting that Google has yet to bring the police reporting over to Google Maps. And I can't help but think that it's because they know they would get a lot of pushback. Because Waze does have a huge user base. There's People are passionate about Waze. It really can save you time. However, Google Maps... That's the big fish. If it ever went over to Google Maps, a lot more people would be getting uh, avoiding speeding tickets.
1: Yeah. And we definitely don't want the police to miss out on their quotas. Exactly. Which we know you have, even though you deny that you have them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The DUI checkpoints, though, I don't know. I I actually really do think that Waze might be putting people in danger.
1: Yeah, in that case, I would say just for the optics of it, if it were me running ways, I would remove that as a feature.
0: All right, one more sponsor today, then we'll get to AP Choice and recommendations. Our final sponsor is Harry's. Harry's makes shaving an enjoyable experience. I've been using them for a few years now, and I'm never switching to anyone else. They've got high-quality razor blades and other great grooming products at a very fair price. I love Harry's because they give me a close shave, a comfortable glide, and a reliable product. And their story is really admirable. Their founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. They knew a great shave comes down to great blades, period. Made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. That's why they bought a factory that's been making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. And these are five blade razors, so you get a really close shave. By selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. And you know they believe in their product because they have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't like the shave, no problem. Let them know and you'll get a full refund. I love that because that means they're really confident in their product. I want you to get a Harry's trial set. You're going to love them and then switch and then you're never going to go anywhere else. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, including the weighted ergonomic handle, the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover so you can take it on the go. Uh, All of that, $13 in the value trial set. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash m-i-l-l make sure you go to harrys.com slash m-i-l-l to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show so laura we got a couple of ap choices that i want to direct to you to me yeah
1: oh my goodness
0: everybody has questions for you
1: i don't think these well one of them is for me
0: well, and the other one, I feel like it's for you because you'll be able to answer it.
1: You think so? <laughs> yeah. I'm also stalling right now because I'm trying to find that post. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to read them to you. Oh, okay.
0: I mean, there there's also a link in the doc. Don't you see that? Yeah,
1: I know. But I yeah. se- did you see that message I sent you earlier? No. Where? Okay. I'm,
0: I'm very focused on the on the, on the the broadcast. I don't oh, see it. I,
1: I mo- sent it to you before the broadcast. It's fine. Don't worry, Laura. I saw it.
0: I was doing Thank my you, pre-show man. meditation. I, I apologize.
1: I sent it in Slack.
0: You're right. You're right. I see it now.
1: <laughs> that thing you insisted we use. That's right.
0: <laughs> hey, come on. It's better than texting or Facebook. It is. That's it is,
1: it is. I'm just giving you shit. And that way
0: I can turn it off on the weekends. I don't have to hear from you two a couple days a week. Rude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, except me because we have (laughs) (laughs) MuggleCast.
0: That's true. Um, All right. So this first one comes from Amy. It says, I remember Laura talking about her and Mark playing the game Detroit Become Human a while back. I got it for Christmas and it has become my newest obsession. I was wondering what direction they took the game in during the first time they played. And if they've played through again for a different outcome. I need to discuss the game, but I don't know anyone else who has played it.
1: Oh my god, I was also obsessed with this game when I got it. Unfortunately, Mark wouldn't be able to answer this question for you because he still hasn't finished his first playthrough. Um, I, however, have played multiple iterations of it, and I think I've pretty much found all the different possible scenarios. And I've also played both of the larger arcs of... Either going for the peaceful resistance or going full on violent rebellion. I've done both of those things. Uh, they both have their own pros and cons. I really enjoyed that game, and now I actually want to go play it after we get off this call. <laughs> so if we could, if we could wrap it up, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's seriously an awesome game for anyone who hasn't played it or doesn't know what it is. It's basically set in a dystopian future where Detroit is the center of the android industry and androids are developing, you know, their own intelligence and they're wanting to fight for their rights. They want to be able to travel freely. They don't want to be slaves. You know, all of the things that like sentient beings want and it's, it's a really, really cool game. You play as three different androids sort of throughout their experience. One that's trying to escape to Canada, where androids are free. Another one who's leading a revolution. And then a third one who is um, forced to work for the De- Detroit Police Department in hmm. order to track down deviant androids. Hmm. So, yeah, super cool game. Yeah. Um, you can there's a point in the game where like as an android you can choose to deviate from your mission or not to deviate. I've played both of those situations and both have very interesting outcomes. So, highly recommend.
0: And then the other question we received was from Kathleen. Does anyone see a point in the distant or near future where America's democracy just doesn't work anymore and it fractures due to a civil war or another reason? Or have we or have we reached the point where it's too big to fail? Not trying to be a pessimist, but it just seems like attitudes towards government and politics just keeps getting more diverse. Uh, divisive, and there are fewer events that unite us as Americans. It seems like we can't even agree about the values we share.
1: Hmm. I mean, I will say we've already survived one civil war that was uh, I mean, that that could have tanked this country, Mm -hmm. and it didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, As a matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson predicted that the American Civil War was going to happen. Yeah. And obviously, he didn't live long enough to see it. Um, But that was something that he harped on quite a bit about to the other founding fathers, that this was going to be an issue if certain, you know, things were not changed about the way that the direction of the country was going. And yet we survived that. Um, America has survived bad presidents before. However, the difference now is that this isn't just a bad president. It's an aspiring autocrat. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's, it's maybe a little too gloom and doom to say like, oh, yeah, America's done. <laughs> like, we've sort of we've reached our expiration date and the American experiment is over. I don't think that's true. I do think that things are splintered. Very badly right now, and I don't know the answer to how we fix it, apart from, um, certain generational values going out of vogue as, uh, the baby boomers start, you know, retiring and then eventually, leaving us. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So I think. (laughs) All right. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be crass, but I do think that's part of it. Um. I, I do think it will get better. I'm overall an optimist. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are enough people in our generation and the generation behind us that are very savvy and socially active and and, and pro-justice. And I believe in us and I believe in them. Yeah, And I think we will be able to turn things around. It's gonna suck for a long time though.
0: <laughs> By the way, I just pasted the two questions in Slack so you can read them now.
1: Well that's <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> I feel like the second question could also be open to the rest of the panel. Absolutely. You know, it's not just my take. So
3: I guess the idea of like the empire kind of you know that's something that we learned about in the history books is It's kind of dead in a way because we've advanced so long, but I do feel like, you know, America has reached its peak as far as the position of power that they currently hold uh, in the world. But as far as like how we stand here, I don't really think that we're in danger of, you know, uh, imploding on ourselves, if that makes sense. Um and I think like the internet kind of helps with that because the the great thing about the internet is that um the more it's around and the more young people use it to communicate not necessarily within like their own groups but with like groups that are outside of their own bubbles the more tolerance that's going to breed and hopefully at some point um a lot of these issues correct themselves but I feel like we can only get more compassionate and like Laura I have a lot of faith in in like the younger generations, because they're pretty smart. And it's really inspiring to see, you know, what they're doing already, despite the fact that they don't have things like the right to vote yet.
2: So. I would agree with both Laura and Pam on that point that I still have a lot of faith in the American people. And if you look at all of the rallies for these new Democratic candidates that are coming out, there's so much passion in the crowds. And you can really tell that, you know, people haven't given up hope.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I I don't want to say that I'm more concerned cuz I think I mean I'm very concerned for the state of our democracy. It is it is under threat. There is no doubt about that. But I think the very clear and present threat right now is a global threat and that's climate change and overuse of plastics. That's some shit that if we don't fix that, like fucking yesterday, we're dead. <laughs> So if you were looking for a dose of cynicism, there you go. I mean, that's a good
3: point. We're going to kill (laughs) ourselves globally before we kill ourselves internally. So So true.
0: But also just in regards to Trump, Trump is working to divide us, period. It's just so obvious. And I think a lot of people are going to look back on this time through history books or whatever, and they're going to realize just how fucked up of a period we were in. I mean, there's really outrageous stuff going on that I don't need to repeat right now, but we, we all know. Uh, things that we never imagined would happen here are happening here. So, if Trump leaves in two years, then I think, Whenever Trump leaves, that's when things will start to get better because we won't have somebody at the top actively working to divide us. There are lots of great Republicans compared to Trump, and I miss them leading, and uh, I look for You know, just starting with how they treat journalists. That alone will be such a big change, hopefully, whoever uh, takes office next and however soon... That might be so. I don't think things are going to get any better until the guy at the top is out of the office.
1: Well, also until the Republican Party takes itself back from the wingnuts that have taken over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from sort of like the Roger Ailes model of conservatism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the Republican Party is no longer the party of pragmatism that it used to be. And until it takes that mantle back, we're going to be kind of screwed because we have one party that's trying to be the adult in the room, although sometimes Democrats can be a bit spineless. And then you have Republicans who have just become the party of no, like, no, we're not going to give you anything. We don't know how to compromise. Oh, and by the way, anything that has Obama's name on it, we're going to undo.
0: Right. Alright, so let's end on a brighter note by making some recommendations. Pam, what's yours?
3: Um, My recommendation is One Day at a Time, which has just returned to Netflix with season three. I love this show so much, and it's only getting better and better. If you have not checked this out yet, just get on the train and, um, and go with it, because it's so good and it's so worthy of all the praise that it gets. It's just amazing and so funny and heartwarming and uh, really good with representation it's basically got everything that you could ever want in a uh, sitcom and it's really easy to binge so if you're looking for something to warm the cockles of your heart one day at a time is it
0: God bless you Netflix
3: it's not all serial killers over there
0: (laughs) Um, so, my recommendation is a not recommendation. I do not recommend the Lego Movie 2. Um, so, I saw the first one, like a lot of people, and I really liked it. I thought it was clever. I, in terms of turning a toy into a movie, I think that's as good as it gets. We went to the second one this weekend. Pat really wanted to see it. I did not like it. I thought it was a junky kitty movie that had way too many characters it was all over the place i i wanted to see another good lego movie i just wish it wasn't that it needed to be something else entirely the only good thing i could say about it was maya rudolph was occasionally funny and uh lego batman voiced by will arnett he's he's still really funny but otherwise i was checked out of this movie within 30 minutes and I told Pat that after, and he was like, oh, yeah, well, I could tell by your sighing. I didn't even realize I was sighing. I was so disappointed in this movie. I was verbalizing it, apparently. So, so hmm?
1: yeah, we also saw this over the weekend, and I was kind of disappointed because I quite liked the first one
2: yeah.
1: um, because it felt like as a movie, it had a lot for adults and for kids. Mm-hmm. And this one felt like it was skewing more on the kids' side of things, which is fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But it was weird that it kind of set the precedent in the first movie of having a lot of edgy, funny humor that would appeal to adults that didn't carry over into the second movie.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I assume they just want to focus on the kids because kids means merchandising. I mean, I
1: get that. That's fine. It's just as a movie, it was not... I didn't think it was a great sequel.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I said to Pat, I'm done with Lego movies. That's it. Thank you, next. And, uh, you know, I'm a little worried for Warner Brothers because they were, as recently as a couple years ago, calling this one of their tent poles. The Lego franchise, the DC franchise, and the Harry Potter franchise are their three tent poles. And then Lego Movie 2 came out and had weaker uh, a weaker box office than expected. So Warner Brothers is probably feeling disappointed as well. Anyway, Nikki, what's your recommendation?
2: My recommendation is a Hulu show called Killing Eve. It is about a female assassin and a female MI6 agent. And they play a cat and mouse game the whole season. Um, I've been re-watching it recently in anticipation of season two coming out in April. And it is very good.
0: Sandra O oh won an Emmy for it, didn't she? She did. Good for her.
1: And then for my recommendation, I recommend SNS nails for all of you who go to the nail salon to get your nails uh, tended to. So I am a lifelong nail biter, I've always bitten my nails. And for the longest time, I tried to stop myself from doing it by getting acrylics. So, going in and having like a tip put on the nail to lengthen it, and then having them put the acrylic overlay on it, which is really tough on your nails over time. And also didn't really stop me from sort of like still habitually like trying to bite my nails. Um, but not too long ago, I switched over to SNS, which is still a nail overlay, but it's a dipping powder where they basically paint like this gel almost on top of your natural nail and then dip your finger into this little like tub of powder that's colored, whatever, like they've got a million different colors. Um, And then they just do a, a top coat polish over it. And it's basically like they've just put a slightly thicker harder polish on top of your natural nail so it doesn't damage it as much and it's really helped me grow my nails out I'm very happy with them now
0: nice yeah I used to have the problem of biting my nails and then I don't know how I was able to because it's hard to break that kind of habit Mm -hmm. but I did just stop and I never looked back
1: it's a nervous habit yeah. It's a, it's a nervous habit for me too, but
3: like you, painting my nails uh, helped a lot in terms mm-hmm. of helping me grow them out.
0: If you have anything to say about what we discussed in today's episode, check out millennialshow.com and there's a contact form right there. You can also email us directly, millennialshow at gmail dot com or hit us up on social media, twitter.com slash millennial show and Facebook dot com slash millennial show. We could really use your support at patreon dot com slash millennial that keeps the show funded. That keeps the show going. That keeps us having to work extra hours. We can clear that time for podcasting. Thanks to people like you, Nikki. Thank you uh, for joining us today. We hope you had a good time.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: I love your story. I love where you live. I love how you create websites for people. So a lot to like about you. I'm going to move to Santa Cruz. Can we hang out
2: Absolutely. Thank you. I'd love to hang out.
0: (laughs) Ladies, what are we talking about in After Dark today?
2: We're going to be
1: talking about a new study out of Pew Research that found that a third of Americans say it's acceptable to wear blackface as part of a Halloween costume. Uh, But don't worry, it gets much worse than that. (laughs) So we'll be talking about some of the stats that came out of this study and talking amongst ourselves about uh, the data and sort of the mentality of why people feel the way they do.
0: I would also like to touch on what Ralph Northman is doing, the v- the Virginia governor, because he's still hanging in there. He's yeah, He's got some ideas to save himself. So yeah, we'll talk Northam, about it. by the way. Northam. What did I say? Northman. Oh, I, my apologies. <laughs> you know what? He doesn't deserve having his name said correctly. True. Racist asshole. What's his name again? North Face? I already forget. (laughs) Love his jackets. (laughs) Um, Nikki, you selected the closing song already. And I'm going to give you an extra star because you picked a song um, that begins with the chorus. And that's what we're always looking for. So we don't have to start it halfway through. So thank you.
2: Absolutely. Anytime.
0: Cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew.
2: I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Nikki. Bye, everybody. See ya.